BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits. I know there's so much information out there, so I'm bringing on expert guests and sharing my own experiences to help you sift through all the wellness stuff without the BS. Enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Welcome to, honestly, a really great episode of the podcast, if I do say so myself. I was really happy with this conversation. I kind of expected it to go one way and then it kind of took a different turn and we delved into some really important topics, I think, that I don't cover a lot here on the show, one of them being orthorexia. So orthorexia is a form of an eating disorder where there's kind of this hyper-focus on eating really clean, really healthy. I think that a lot of people probably fall somewhere on that spectrum. And it was really interesting to me to hear my guest's experience with that and so much more. I knew a little bit of her story from following her on TikTok, but she really has an inspiring story of what she went through and how she got out of it. So I'm talking to Chef Kelly Scott. She is a professional chef and face of Kelly's Clean Kitchen on TikTok and Instagram. She has a really inspiring story of nearly dying from an eating disorder and fearing food to becoming a professional chef and food content creator and recent cookbook author of The Basics of Cooking. You guys have to go follow her on either TikTok or Instagram. She covers the basics so well. I talk about it in this episode a little bit, but I learned how to cut an onion properly. Like you would think that I would know that. Nope, I didn't. I learned when to put oil on a nonstick skillet. Didn't know that. So, so many amazing tips. If you are a novice chef like myself or you're a little more experienced, there's something for everybody and really great recipes. And her cookbook as well, The Basics of Cooking, covers all of that too. And there's videos to accompany each recipe. So I thought that was amazing. Her mission is to teach and inspire others to cook in an easy and fun way. And she really has taken TikTok and Instagram by storm this past year, growing her community to over 750,000, now actually more, I think 850,000 people through her inspiring story and educational videos. So I mentioned some of the things that we talk about, but we rewind and talk about her kind of early life where she was playing college volleyball. She had a traumatic brain injury. And in that period of time when she wasn't able to play volleyball anymore, she developed an eating disorder. And we kind of explore how that came to be and why. We talk about the trajectory of her eating disorder, what made her realize that she needed to change. We talk about orthorexia. And then we talk about how cooking helped her heal that eating disorder. We talk about the fundamentals of cooking. We talk a little bit about the restaurant industry, which I thought was fascinating. She was working in restaurants before she became a private chef. And I asked her what really goes down there that we might be surprised by. We talk about some cooking hacks. Oh, we talk about how she cleared her acne with celery juice. Yep, celery juice. So you will hear that towards the end of the episode. And we just discuss 
how to find what works best for your health because different things work for different people. And I think you guys will find this conversation really fascinating. So please enjoy Chef Kelly Scott. Welcome, Kelly. Well, hi. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. I've gone down a rabbit hole on your TikTok. Oh, really? (laughs) Yes. And I'm excited to talk to you about like the cooking aspect of things because I have no formal training. I just throw shit together and make things up. Uh But your page is so valuable. Like it has just so many things like the knife skills and just kind of fundamentals of cooking that I think are so easy for even somebody who has no culinary background to learn and to like implement in their lives. And so I want to talk about that. But you have a really amazing story because your trajectory to getting where you are today was a bit of a rocky one, right? So let's to say re- the least. <laughs> let's rewind a little bit uh-huh. and you can just introduce yourself to the audience and tell us a little bit about what your life was like before. Yeah, I'd love to jump in and discuss anything and everything. I'm Kelly. I'm a personal chef and business owner in Southern California. And I've been a chef for a little over five years now, but I definitely had no intentions of being a chef earlier in my life. Basically, to start off how I got into cooking and everything in my journey was I was actually a college volleyball player and I had no intentions of doing anything with my life but volleyball. Like that was my life. And I know it's like so cliche as like an adult looking back like 10 years from now that like I was so consumed by that, but it really was my life. And in that process, I actually suffered a horrible injury. I had a traumatic brain injury in college, in college volleyball. And that just completely derailed where I thought my life was going and put me in a completely different direction than I expected to go. And it kind of spiraled. Can you tell us what happened? Like, how how did it affect you that it was so bad that it made you have to stop? Yeah. So basically what happened at first, I thought I was a concussion. So I got hit in the head with a volleyball and that doesn't seem like it would be that hard. But when you're at a high D1 level playing that it hits you at such a high speed that it's actually really bad. So I got hit in the head. I kind of blacked out. And this was right before an important game, too. I blacked out, came to, and I was, like, really out of it. Like, when you get a bad concussion, you can't think straight. I knew instantly I had a concussion, too. I, this was probably my fifth concussion. Wow. Yeah. Lots of lots of. You brain wouldn't injuries. think with volleyball. You really wouldn't think, yeah. And you I, think, like, football and yeah, really high-contact contact, sports. basketball, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But volleyball, like— a lot of concussions and head injuries. Mm-hmm. And, and usually it's not taken that seriously either because volleyball is, you know, not as high impact. You mm-hmm. know, you get hit in the head of the volleyball, whatever. But I knew instantly it was a bad concussion and I was freaking out and was like sobbing in the locker room, all this stuff. And my coaches came in and they were just like, you're going to play. And I was like, okay. And they kind of convinced me that I was fine. It was just like a minor headache and kind of pressured me because they like implied that if you don't play this game, you're never going to probably play again, basically. That's very common in college athletics. So I played, I played the next day and I was like, something's wrong. Like this is really bad. And that's when I went to my physical therapist and we went to the doctors and from there, it just kind of cascaded into this more than concussion. It was actually bad brain injury. How do you recover from that? So it was an interesting recovery process. I tried to come back to play volleyball for over a year. So it was a year of I went to countless brain doctors. I went to brain rehab. They have actual physical therapy for your brain. So I'd go in weekly and do these brain exercises where it's a lot of like eye tracking and crazy movements that you have to try to like basically connect like the brain to your body. And even after those, I would be, like, almost passing out after those. Like, just walking on a treadmill, too. I would just be, like, people would have to be next to me to make sure I was, like, standing straight up and, like, not fall over. Yeah. And so I would just go countless doctors all over the southeast, countless rehabs for about a year and a half before finally I was, like, I can't do this anymore. It was just too taxing on me. I was seeing, like, my friends and my teammates play still. And... It was just too hard emotionally, physically 
to keep doing it. I was in like a horrible, horrible depression too. Mm -hmm. So what happened after that? So this thing that you thought you were going to do for your life, it was your whole life. It suddenly kind of ripped away from you. And you mentioned that you went into a depression. So what else shifted in your life at that time? Yeah. So at that point, I was obviously like super depressed. I, my value in my life came from my performance and what others thought of me and how well I was doing. Cause I, I mean, I was raised in a competitive household. So I was like, if I do well and play well, I'm going to be liked. So at that point I was like, I have no passion. My friends are like still on the team. So I became very depressed. And I remember one day I was like, you know what, if I don't have any control over what's happening to me and what's healing, I'm just going to control what I eat, what, how well I'm going to treat my body in that sense and like how well I'm going to look. So if I can't, if I can't feel good, I'm going to look good at least because mm-hmm. again, I was measuring my worth based on what others thought of me. So I was like, well, I'm going to look good. And that's when I fell into a really bad eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And within four months of me, like just deciding I was going to quote unquote look good, I lost 45 pounds, which is, wow. and, and I didn't have 45 pounds to lose either. Yeah. Like I was already like a lean volleyball player. I had muscle, but I became like extremely emaciated Mm -hmm. and just basically my life like crumbled around me. One of my all-time favorite wellness practices that really changed the game for me is adding electrolytes to my water. And I was traveling last week and Let me tell you, this is such a game changer, especially when you are flying. I don't know about you, but usually when I fly, it feels like no matter how much water I drink, I land and I'm shriveled up. I have a headache. I'm nauseous and I just feel super dehydrated. But I bring Element with me everywhere I go and it alleviates all of that. So Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means lots of salt with no sugar. It contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio. That's 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. It has no sugar, like I said, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no fillers, no BS. And Element is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs, whether they are a professional athlete, someone like you or I, somebody who is very active, or you're just looking to improve your overall wellness. It's perfectly suited for anybody. Electrolytes facilitate hundreds of functions in the body, including the conduction of nerve impulses, hormonal regulation, nutrient absorption, and fluid balance. So I like to think of it as kind of a top-down thing. So a lot of times we try to fix our hormones, fix our fluid retention, all of that, but we ignore maybe what is at the root of it or what could be causing it kind of trickling down to cause these symptoms that we're experiencing. So I find that replenishing electrolytes really helps me with a lot of that, especially the fluid retention piece. My nutritionist told me to do this years ago and it was such a game changer. Element can also help prevent and eliminate headaches, like I said, muscle cramps, fatigue, sleeplessness, and other common symptoms of electrolyte deficiency. So my absolute favorites are the orange salt. That's like my go-to. I love the citrus salt. I love the raspberry, the watermelon, basically anything fruity, but they have so many delicious flavors. I have friends that actually even use the citrus as the salt on like a margarita. You can use the chocolate salt in coffee or your smoothie. There's so many ways to enjoy it. So right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any order. That's eight single serving packets free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors and see which ones you like best or share Element with a salty friend. You can get yours at drinkelement.com slash Blonde Files. This deal is only available through my link, so you must go to D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash Blonde Files. Also, Element offers a no questions asked refund, so you can try it totally risk-free if you don't like it, share it with a friend, and they will give you your money back, no questions asked, so you have nothing to lose. Again, drinkelement.com slash Blonde Files. 
Since we are talking about fueling our bodies in this episode with nutritious ingredients, let's talk about nutritious snacking. A lot of people ask me what I like to snack on, and it really varies throughout the day, but I keep it really simple. And one of my absolute favorite snacks, which you probably already know, are macadamia nuts. And it's not just me, health experts, high-performance athletes, and esteemed doctors have all been talking about macadamias, and this is why. Macadamias are the lowest carb nut They have more healthy fat than even avocado, and they are rich in the rare omega-7s that no other oil or nut has. So macadamia benefits are totally unique. In fact, a recent study showed macadamia oil has more beneficial effects to overall human health than olive oil or macadamia oil. Its omega-7s have been linked to natural collagen production. We love that increased skin elasticity, we really love that, and anti-inflammatory properties and fat loss. Macadamia oil has a high smoke temperature, reducing the risk of free radicals, which cause aging that most other oils create when heated during cooking. So House of Macadamias has a special cold-pressed single-batch macadamia oil, perfect for cooking or drizzling over a salad. The buttery taste is absolutely delicious, so I highly recommend you guys try this. And you know I love my macadamia nuts in the morning with my matcha and my meditation. House of Macadamias are by far my favorite. They have the highest quality premium macadamias in a range of bars, purified oil, and nuts. They don't have that kind of weird plasticky taste that some macadamias have. They don't have that crumbly texture. They are the absolute best. So House of Macadamia's products don't ever go on sale, but they are very generously giving my listeners a code to get 20% off all purchases. This is an exclusive offer just for you, and it's for a limited time. So all first orders will receive a cold-pressed extra virgin macadamia oil that's truly one-of-a-kind, valued at $20, totally complimentary when you use the code BLONDE at checkout. Just go to houseofmacadamias.com slash blonde to begin indulging in health. Again, that's houseofmacadamias.com slash blonde. How did you feel? Did you feel like you were controlling things and and were you happy with the weight that you were losing? I don't know if that's like an okay question. No, that's absolutely, (laughs) it actually was the only thing that like made me happy, funnily Mm. enough. And I've gone through lots of like therapy and EMDR to like process this and why I handled this trauma that way but that was the only thing to pull me out of a depression and like live for something mm-hmm. so through losing weight and finding myself like looking quote-unquote good and like people like noticing like me again that was the only thing to like wake me up and like make me feel good so it did feel amazing at the time and mm-hmm. I didn't know when I was in it like when this was happening that how much of like a toxic cycle I was in and how this would affect my life in a negative way because it was the only thing that was bringing me joy at the time. Mm -hmm. I can relate to that a little bit. I'm not sure how familiar you are with my story, but I've been in recovery for nine years and my issues were different, although I did have raging bulimia when I was in Mm -hmm. my addiction to drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. But I hear a lot of people in recovery say that when they look back, even though you know, in retrospect, it was terrible. At the time, they feel like it was the only thing that kept them alive and kept them going because, you know, it's a different kind of addiction to an eating disorder, but it's still something that you kind of fixate on and it becomes your coping mechanism and your medicine in a way. And it's something that you're so reliant on. Yeah. So how did you get to a place where you realize that you needed to change? What were the people around you? Like, were your family alarmed? How did that unfold? Funnily enough, no one around me said anything. Wow. And I looked like a skeleton. I looked like, I look at pictures now and I'm like, that doesn't look like a human. Yeah, I saw a picture on your TikTok. Yeah, it's it's crazy how different I looked. And my family and friends like kind of were like concerned, but no one ever said anything directly to me. And it wasn't until... I remember I was taking a nutrition class and we did a day on eating disorders. And it was like, these are the signs, X, Y, and Z. And they had us track our food for the class. And I realized I was eating like 
1,200 calories a day. And I'm 6'1", so mm-hmm. I should be eating like 2,200 calories a day mm-hmm. if I'm not even active. And I was like, okay, this isn't normal. And my, I like went up to my teacher and she was like, I was like, is this like disordered eating? And she was like, I think like it wouldn't hurt to go see someone. And so at that point, I was like, okay, well, I'll just see someone to see. Like, I don't want to, like, take it too far. And I was also seeing signs, like, at this point, it would hurt to sit down because my bone, Uh like, my butt was so bony. And, like, my heart would flutter a lot, which is usually what happens. People have heart issues once they get too thin. So I was seeing signs, and I knew that it wasn't completely healthy. But then part of me still was like, oh, but I really want to keep going because it's, like, the only thing that's making me happy. But I did decide to go and seek out a therapist, a nutritionist. And the nutritionist was the first one to tell me that, no, this is not normal. And that if you keep going this way, that you're going to die. Mm. And there was even one session with her. I like walked in and she weighed me every time just to keep up. And I had lost weight like from the week before. And she was like, I'm afraid that if you walk out of this doctor's office, you're not going to live. So at that point I was like, oh. shit, okay, well, I can't die on my family. Like, that would be like, mm-hmm. I didn't even care about myself dying. I was just like, I can't let my friends and family see me fail. Mm. So that's when I decided I would try to work out of it and mm-hmm. work towards at least getting healthier to the point where people wouldn't be worried about me. It's interesting, though, that you said you didn't want to fail. It's kind yeah. of like that competitive nature that you probably had from volleyball your whole mm-hmm. life was transferred over to this other thing 100%. and it's so interesting how like we we can't really have the compassion for ourselves like you didn't want to do it for yourself you wanted to do it for other people yeah performative I didn't want to see let my family and friends down mm. you know and then mm. them to look down upon me because I was such a perfectionist at the time and my value only came from what others thought of me mm-hmm. so I was like okay well <laughs> we can't let that happen yeah I saw I think yesterday that Glennon Doyle did you see this? I did not. But she, I love her. Yeah. Well, she, I think it was Glennon Doyle. Yes, it was her. She came out and said, I have this announcement to make. I've been diagnosed with an eating disorder. And I saw a lot of comments and backlash online where people were like, this is so attention seeking. How did you not know that you had an eating disorder? Mm. And it's interesting to hear that you had kind of a similar experience where you were like, is this like... I think people just assume that people know what they're doing. But for you, mm-hmm. it seemed like at the time it was more of a, a coping thing. And, you know, you were transferring the control that you had with yeah. volleyball to this. And you didn't really know if it was a quote unquote eating disorder or not. Yeah. And that's usually because a lot of like people think of eating disorders as only like anorexia or bulimia. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of in between. Mm-hmm. There's binge eating. There's orthorexia, which I identify with orthorexia, which is just the wanting to be perfect with your health. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't fall into the typical anorexia or bulimic, people usually don't see it as disordered eating. Mm-hmm. And you're more likely to fall through the cracks and not get categorized or not get the help that you need to, which is really sad. But I think it's good more people are talking about it now because there's so such like a wide spectrum of what disordered eating looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's so important that you say that because I think orthorexia is rampant. It's on the rise. It's like I <laughs> yeah. think one of the most common and like rising issues of this day, especially in the culture that we're in because mm-hmm. everyone wants to be like get perfect health. There's so much information on this and that. And so mm-hmm. it's if you're not doing all of these things to be healthy, you're like, uh, quote unquote, unhealthy. So mm-hmm. a lot of people fall into the orthorexia category, which, yeah, you know, it might be into health, but there's a certain extent where it's too much. Right. Like you think you're being healthy, but it's actually like so restrictive. And yeah. you don't even realize it. I definitely was went through a phase of that yeah, years like, ago where so I was common. like, I had this whole list of things I wouldn't eat. And mm-hmm. How did you begin to heal? I'm always curious how people recover from eating disorders because for mm-hmm. me, like with drugs and alcohol, you don't have to do drugs and alcohol three times a day. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like there's no moderating. You just stop like uh-huh. abstinence, but you can't be abstinent from eating, obviously. So I always think that must be so much a great harder. Mm-hmm. So how did you begin to recover from the eating disorder? 
So it was definitely a slow process because I was working both with a therapist and nutritionist, but a lot of part of me didn't want to do it. So a lot when people are recovering from eating disorders, you usually don't want to do it because there's mm-hmm. another voice in your head telling you to clamp on and continue this eating disorder. So you have to completely rewire your brain. So I was working with a therapist to help rewire that, nutritionist, to start incorporating more foods. And the main thing for me was I actually was like, I'm just going to cook for myself and hopefully like cooking eventually. And a lot of it started with the fact that I didn't trust anyone to cook for myself. So I was like, I'm just going to cook everything. And through cooking, it was probably like a six-month process where I started to actually enjoy cooking and trying new foods and like experimenting in the kitchen and that's when I was like oh wait cooking and eating is like a lot of fun even though I was starting it just because I didn't want other people to cook for me but then I started to become super passionate about it and having a lot of fun in the kitchen and realized oh I like this like more than starving myself basically (laughs) and is that when you decided to go to culinary school so it probably was like the start of my passion for it it took me another year before I decided to go to the culinary school because when I graduated my undergrad, I was still like in the eating disorder phase and I started to like cooking more and like eating more, but I decided to take a gap year and I was actually going to go to law school. So it wasn't until six months into my gap year when I realized that I wouldn't, if I was in law school, I couldn't cook every day and like eat <laughs> like I do. And I was like, well, that doesn't seem very fun. I think like I'd rather go to culinary school and just like chase my passion instead of chase what like the world was telling me I should probably do. Mm -hmm. I have been traveling for the last couple weeks. Nothing very exciting, but I was visiting family and then dog sitting for my parents. I saw a lot of friends and now I am in the city and I have been eating most of my meals out. I've gone to a lot of dinners. I've gotten a lot of food to go. That's just kind of how it is when I'm in the city, especially. And I'm eating a lot of things that I don't normally eat at home, not because I don't love them, but because sometimes they don't love me back. I'm talking a lot of cheese, okay? Pasta with cheese, a lot of butter. I had these carrots the other night that had like brown butter and some kind of cheese. I had goat cheese ice cream. I had pasta with like pecorino, just all the things. So in the past, if I did this, I would probably have a little bit of a food hangover, but having my AG1 first thing in the morning on an empty stomach, I feel like really alleviates that kind of hungover feeling that I can get sometimes when I eat a lot of things that I don't normally eat if I'm eating a ton of sugar, a ton of dairy, things like that. So AG1 is made with 75 super high quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients that deliver benefits like mood, immune system, and sleep support, sustained energy, and so much more. I have really noticed a difference in my digestion, my gut health since taking it. It's just this one thing that has so many benefits. It eliminates the need to pack a bunch of supplements when I'm traveling, which I love. I love their travel packs because they're so convenient and it just really helps your whole body thrive. AG1 is more than greens. It's really your key health products like multivitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more working together as one. So if you want to take ownership of your health, today is a good time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash blondefiles. That's athleticgreens.com slash blondefiles. And you can take ownership over your health today. There's such a big difference in how you feel overall, your overall Mm -hmm. health, everything when you're cooking for yourself. Like I noticed such a huge difference, even over the summer and early fall, I was ordering out one to maybe two times a day. Mm -hmm. And even if I was eating quote unquote, you know, healthy stuff from healthy restaurants or whatever, I still felt like shit. I had skin issues. I had gut issues. And I was like, what is happening? And then I got food poisoning and it was a blessing in disguise (laughs) because I was like, no more. And I started cooking for myself every meal again. And it just transformed the way I feel. And it sounds like you Mm -hmm. had kind of a similar experience, although you were dealing with something different where 
Like what changed for you when you started cooking for yourself? I think what changed for me was just finding the joy in cooking and eating again because it was always pretty joyless for me, especially during that time. And I started to feel good because I was still eating like healthy. I would never eat like anything crazy at that point because it was too scary. But it started feeling really good too because like you said, if you cook for yourself, not only like you feel better because there's higher quality ingredients, but I feel like there's more that goes into your meal than just a typical like takeout meal. So it's feeling good. I was having fun doing it and finding more joy in it, which really changed the game for me at the end of the day. What are the fundamentals of cooking that you think everybody should know? That's a great question. <laughs> I feel like any like the I have six fundamentals. I would say okay. six, which I know is a lot, but roasting, just like stuffing in your oven, saute, grill, braise, and stew, and then fry, but fry not so much because that's you can do like air fryer and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. the fundamentals, if you can like just know the science behind it and why things are the way that they are in the kitchen, like why do you saute a chicken breast over a, a huge roast of beef and stuff like that, then you can cook like any recipe out there mm-hmm. pretty much. What are your favorite things to make? That's a great question. I get this question all <laughs> the time. You have so much variety. <laughs> Everybody go to her TikTok and on your Instagram as well. But your TikTok is like where you, you have so much amazing content and so much variety. I mean, uh-huh. I learned how to correctly chop an, an onion <laughs> and I learned knife skills. I mean, like I said before, I just wing it and I just kind of uh-huh. put things together. You know, how to cook a live lobster. Like there's so much variety there. You can kind of find anything. So mm-hmm. if you're just cooking for yourself, What are you making? Like, what's a typical day? A typical day for me. So I do tend to eat more healthy still, but I try to do like one night a week for dinner. I try to do like a fun meal. And last yesterday, for example, I love cooking like beef and like short ribs, like high quality grass fed short ribs are my favorite thing to do. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's very relaxing and cathartic to just go through that process. But anything with like meats are very fun. I love doing sauces because my favorite part of a meal is usually the sauce. And it's more (laughs) fun to, yeah, if you have a good good sauce, it transforms like a whole dish. Mm -hmm. So that's been my favorite, especially the past like year or two doing that. I was a former sauce at a restaurant. So I was able wow. to like learn like the techniques of sauces uh-huh. and that just completely transformed like the whole game for me. What is a sauce that everybody should know how to make? <laughs> I think an easy pan sauce. So like say you're like sauteing some chicken in a pan. You have all the golden bits that are really delicious after. If you could do a, like a white wine butter sauce, that's super easy. Deglaze with some white wine, throw in some things like garlic, shallots, and it comes together in like 10 minutes. And I think it's like such a good way to elevate the dish and make it more interesting, even if it's a simple like chicken breast for dinner. Mm-hmm. And everybody, she has a new book coming out that has video, right? For every yes. recipe. This is amazing. Tell everyone about that. Yeah, thank you. So the book is called The Basics of Cooking. And I came up with the idea because I wanted to create something that was not just a recipe book, but actually like taught the fundamentals in a way that was easy to understand. And so it breaks down all the fundamentals. So kind of the ones I discussed earlier, the braising, stewing, all of that, and breaks down the science of it, gives like fun recipes to go with it, but also video content. So there's a whole video library. When you buy the book, you have access to it that will cook through the book with you and kind of explain all the things that you need to know and like the fundamentals and science behind it. So you would be able to cook any recipe. And so like linking the video content was important for me because I'm a very visual learner. Mm -hmm. That's probably why I love like TikTok and like Instagram reels for cooking videos Mm -hmm. because it's easier to comprehend like how to do something versus just like reading a recipe. I like love recipe books, but I like wanted something that was more of like a crash course in cooking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's genius. Like, I don't know if anybody else has done this, but I feel like in this day and age too, everybody is becoming visual, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And especially with short form video or even long form video on YouTube. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, I think it's so much more 
engaging <laughs> to follow along there. There's nothing worse for me than a cookbook without the even even the picture oh of the recipe. I'm like, what Don't am get I me making? started on that. <laughs> I'm like, if there's no picture, I'm not I'm cooking out. it. I'm not making yeah, it. There's no way. <laughs> but yeah, that's definitely why I love to connect the two because it's more of a learning process. If someone has questions of, oh, how is X, Y, and Z done? You can just go to the video and see it. Mm -hmm. um, plus there's all pictures in there as well because like you said I hate when there's a cookbook without pictures mm -hmm. and you're blowing up on TikTok <laughs> it's how fun, yeah yeah how I'm in my flop era everybody <laughs> I'm on my 2000 views <laughs> video <laughs> flop era I'm like what is happening so with strategy I and it's funny enough because like I was looking at my time hop today it was one year ago today when I had my first like big video That's on TikTok crazy. yeah and my thing was always I'm just going to provide value for people so mm -hmm. there's like a few different ways on TikTok you can be entertaining you can be educational x y and z and so I was like you know what? I'm just going to provide value and stay true to myself because there's a lot of food videos out there that don't align with kind of how I like do things so I was like I'm just going to be true to myself provide educational videos and it seems that people have received them well and they are helping people which is my main goal at the end of the day is to help people cook or like find passion in cooking like kind of like how I did and just get them to be able to do things that are more manageable in the kitchen mm -hmm. and I think that has resonated with a lot of people because my things aren't super hard to do they're easy dishes to do mm -hmm. but they're explained in a way that anyone can do them yeah that's why I love it I totally agree with all of that. <laughs> you mentioned that you were a saucier, and I saw a video that you did on TikTok about vegetable oils. So right now you're a private chef, right? In addition mm -hmm. to creating content and now being a cookbook author. But I saw this video where you said that even if they say they're using olive oil, they're using oh, yeah. vegetable oil. So we're not trying to scare anyone about anything. I'm like, I eat everything. Yeah. But since you have experience in the industry... Can you like tell everybody about that? Oh gosh, I absolutely can. And it was a shock to me going into it, especially someone who was so healthy beforehand, going to work into restaurants, even quote unquote healthy restaurants, seeing their practices and kind of saying they're like pretty shady, actually. Like they will say they're using health, quote unquote, healthy oils, olive oils, avocado oils, but they're actually using vegetable oils or cutting it with other stuff and just taking a lot of shortcuts. So that's one of the Cutting the oils? That's yeah. like that's like a drug dealer cutting the cocaine. Literally. <laughs> like baking soda. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> like what are you doing? It's oil. Exactly. That's what else? There's all kinds of things just like lying about the ingredients. Um, saying like, for example, a nice cut of meat is something else. They're usually, usually using the lower quality types of meats. Oh. There's just a lot of shortcuts. And even in, the, I've worked at like quote unquote healthy restaurants too, and they still take these shortcuts because it means it's expensive and people don't want to pay necessarily and they want to make a profit. So they're definitely willing to uh, cut a lot of things that don't align with like my values. Because I think it's important for transparency and everything that I do and like feed my clients, which is why I went more the private chef route after mm -hmm. working a few years in the restaurants, because I just want to be, have that transparency, especially with people who might have health goals or allergies too. That's a big thing too. A lot of places are lying about how they do things, which mm -hmm. is bad for people with allergies. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty, it's pretty, it was eye opening when I first started working in restaurants and realizing like this is why like a lot of Americans in general have issues because mm -hmm. how we cook our food and deal with ingredients and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. What are some hacks, if you have any, or just tips for people if they're like, okay, I don't want to be ordering out every dinner, but I'm so busy. I don't have time. Do you like to prep your food or is there anything, any advice that you have for people who are crazy busy and feel like they don't have time to cook? Yeah, well, I think there's a few routes you can do. You can obviously get like a private chef if you can afford it, mm -hmm. but <laughs> I love a good meal prep and there's like two ways that I think are like the best ways of meal prepping. You can dedicate like a Sunday afternoon and do like a few easy meals where you just cook a few proteins, have a good sauce that can go with stuff and have that set where you can mix and match stuff so it's not as boring where you're having like the same meal every day. Another way I like, I personally do this is I'll cook a dinner and have 
extra like four times per proportions. So I'll have some for lunch and maybe the dinner the next day. And I'll always have some leftovers, but it makes it interesting because I could like cook dinner the next day and have something different. So I think mm-hmm. the issue comes when people have the mundane meal, lunch, dinner, every single day is the same. So incorporating more like sauces and stuff and things that make it more interesting. But I think my favorite way to do it is dinner, a bunch of extra portions. So you have stuff for the next few days mm-hmm. and then you have that time for the next two days where you don't have to dedicate it to cooking. Mm-hmm. Have you had any crazy requests being a private chef? Crazy request. <laughs> I have a lot of people come to me with crazy diets is probably the mm-hmm. the thing, especially in Southern California. <laughs> There's, I've seen every single diet possible where people like won't eat any nightshades, which are like tomatoes, bell peppers, all mm-hmm. of that. Um, I had one client who would fly in from Vegas and come pick up my meals frozen and fly back because she had such a crazy, like, strict diet that she wanted to follow that was, like, very, very niche. And I was, like, one of the food people. I was like, yeah, I'm down to cook it for you. <laughs> so that was the craziest where she would, like, fly in for— How niche was it? That must have been It was crazy. very niche. It was crazy because she had a lot of allergies. But mm. it was, like, she didn't eat nightshades. She didn't eat certain salts. Um, mm. There was probably, like, five things she could eat. And it was, like, <laughs> chicken stock, chicken squash, and, like, maybe a few other things. And it was wow. just, like— how could you make that interesting with not like being super boring? So uh-huh. that's where I came in and tried to help her there and keep it interesting. And she she did love them. Uh-huh. We worked together for about a year. Wow. But yeah, it was crazy because she was coming, fly in for the day, get, get on the flight, come pick up her food, go back to the airport. Wow. Yeah, which is <laughs> wild. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, I think what you're putting in your body is going to reflect in every aspect of your life and your wellness. I know that something else you've been vocal about is your struggle with acne. Sitting across from you, your skin is flawless. And I know that you healed it right through celery juice. It was crazy. Yeah, and I know you've talked on how being on Spyro, and I've been on Spyro mm-hmm. too. So everything you said about your skin resonated with me as well. But mm-hmm. it was—I've always had some acne struggles, especially when I was a teenager. But recently, as like a adult, I just like got the worst acne about a year ago, and it was just like cystic, hormonal acne all in my jaw and cheeks out of nowhere. That's what happened to me this summer. I feel like that's happening with like a lot of adult, like adult yeah. women yeah. in our age range. And it's very interesting because mm-hmm. like it didn't used to happen before. So I'm like, what's in the water, you yeah. guys? But I had done Accutane twice before. I had been on Spiro before and it worked well for me, but I knew I wanted to try to get to the root problem. So I had heard about celery juicing and I was like, what do I have to lose? I have cystic acne everywhere. Like I might as well just try it. I was like, I'm going to give myself three months if it doesn't work, I'll stop doing it. And so I would sell our juice every morning. And after a month, my acne literally cleared up. That's It was crazy. crazy. It was crazy. It was like night and day. Just like one day I woke up and I was just like no more breakouts. And I was like, this is crazy. And it was the only thing I changed was the celery juice. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is insane. So I was like, I'll keep doing it until it stops working. And so I did it for about a year. And then I felt like what it did for me, it brought my inflammation down. I also had like gut issues and like digestion issues, which is huge with acne. Mm-hmm. And so I really think it just calmed my body down for when a time it was a very stressful time and like my body was inflamed. And that was the thing that needed to kickstart my health again. Mm-hmm. And so I really think through doing that, I was able to clear up a lot. And then eventually I was able to stop doing it because it is it's a lot to do celery juice. <laughs> you were doing a lot day. too, right? Like 32 I ounces? Was doing 32 or? ounces, which that's like four bunches of celery. So oh it was God. like a job every morning juicing and just like drinking a lot. And it doesn't taste good. No. It's horrible if you've ever tried it. I've it's like tried awful. and I, the most that I can do, like, very reluctantly, 16 ounces. And I feel like shit after. Yeah. (laughs) Like nauseous, but it's kind of amazing. And I heard you say like, you don't agree with everything that that's like a medical medium thing. Yeah. But I think it's valuable to hear that. And, you know, a lot of people ask me like, how do you kind of sort through everything that like people recommend when they come on the show, like different experts and stuff. And I'm a big proponent of just trying things and seeing what works for you. And, you know, even if 
there's something like celery juice where people are like, there's no science to back it up. Like when you are struggling with something, whether it's your gut health, your skin, Mm -hmm. you know, your hormones, whatever it is, you get to a place where you've tried so many things where you're desperate (laughs) and you're willing to do anything, including drinking 32 ounces of celery juice. And like, who's to say that it's not going to work for you, you know? Exactly. No, completely agree. I'm a big fan of trying whatever and like not judging what Mm -hmm. other people might say because everything has a crowd where it works for them. Mm -hmm. And like the seller juice thing, yeah, it doesn't have science to back it up. It doesn't make sense like on the books, but why are there so many people where it helped with their skin, it helped with their gut health, Mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z. So I'm big into, you know, trying everything out for yourself and then making the decision there because like health trends change so frequently. Like Mm -hmm. two years ago was keto. Now it was like the diet where everyone's like big into fruits and stuff like that. So it's just changed so much and you need to find like what works for yourself. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the best way to like go about health trends and like finding your health. Yeah. Like try different things. Let's, let's name it. Let's call it a trietarian. Yes. What do you think, Anna? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) let's let's see if we can make that stick but yeah yeah, i mean different things work for different people and maybe the thing that worked for you before it doesn't work for you now like i've gone through Mm -hmm. that and people are like well i thought you were doing this and i'm like yeah i was a year ago and then you know we deal with different challenges yeah your body changes your Mm -hmm. circumstances changes Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have to do celery juice anymore (laughs) thank god but yeah do you do coffee or matcha or anything in the morning I do not so I don't do any caffeine I am become like a jittery psychopath when (laughs) I do coffee I do like a good latte every now and then Uh but I my body just doesn't react to it Mm -hmm. I wish it would I love coffee yeah but I just become like shaky and kind of crazy anxious anxious alert and anxious yeah very (laughs) very anxious (laughs) yeah so you know in the beginning of this kind of trajectory you said that you were getting value from your achievements and Mm -hmm. And you were getting value from the way you looked and things that you could control. So how did that shift over the course of the last many years as you've been recovering and Mm -hmm. you have this amazing career? Have you been able to find value in other places? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I was able to shift that mindset through lots of therapy and just self-care and trying to just like learn more about myself before it was all very performative and I just wanted people to like me and thought people would like me through my actions and like performance basically and through therapy and kind of just working through that trauma realizing that that's not where I want to have people value from anymore and so now I think it's just more important to surround yourself with people who genuinely see me Mm -hmm. versus the people and maybe like the popular crowd, for example. Mm -hmm. And I find that I find a lot more joy in helping others versus having others think I'm cool or like like me. Mm -hmm. So I find that that is more authentically myself. And I think my life is just like a lot happier and I get more joy out of that and just care a lot less too. Like Mm -hmm. I literally don't what people think as much as I used to. And Mm -hmm. it's just so freeing when you are able to live like that. You have to not care what people think about you to be on TikTok. (laughs) Literally, because they're savages on TikTok. They're like another, like Instagram, (laughs) you'll get some haters, Mm -hmm. but TikTok's a whole other breed. Yeah, because I feel like, and I've said this before on Instagram, the people who are seeing your content for the most part are people that follow Mm you. Mm -hmm. And know the different facets of you and you know videos will go viral and you'll get some trolls or whatever but on tiktok the people that are seeing your content are the people that follow you and then just people randoms who are scrolling and know nothing about you and they just want to like fire off comments on everyone's videos oh yeah it's crazy because yeah it's like instagram you have more of that community Mm because people you actually see people you follow whereas tiktok for your page you can't see anyone Mm -hmm. so you don't know who's gonna pop into your comments there's a lot more savage on tiktok too because it's not necessarily your core community Mm because like 
it's never the people who follow you or invested in your story yeah. that are saying these awful things. It's always the people who just stumble across you and like don't actually care. Yeah. How do you tune that out? I at first it was very difficult starting because I never received such crazy like out there comments, especially when they talk about your appearance and like your voice mm-hmm. as a woman. I get comments on my vocal fry every single what? day. Oh, yeah. Every single day, Ugh. which I'm like, whatever. But I just like don't read the comments anymore, yeah. I, yeah. especially TikTok. I'll read more Instagram because they're usually not anything crazy. But I just try to not read the comments anymore. And I literally just don't care anymore, which mm-hmm. is the only way I think if as a content creator, you can deal with social media is by not caring because a lot of these people will never say these things to your face so totally yeah yeah it's more so the culture I think of the platform itself like that's Mm -hmm. how people behave and it has nothing to do with you but yeah I think you have to have like really thick skin nowadays yeah because everyone's gonna have an opinion exactly yeah (laughs) especially with food I feel like people are so dogmatic about food and like diets and stuff so I I can just imagine the (laughs) People with food, yeah, it'll say, oh, you're doing it wrong. You're not a chef, X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, you don't have to do it this way for it to, like, taste good. Mm -hmm. And also, a lot of times, it's, like, my version of stuff. They're like, oh, this is wrong. You didn't add this ingredient. I'm like, okay, well, you can go make your video and do that then. But yeah. And if everybody did it the exact same, that would be so boring. So boring. (laughs) Yeah, it'd be so boring. And no one would be making fun videos on TikTok or Instagram, you know. So it's just like you just got to tune it out and Mm kind of laugh at it. Now I'm like, it's kind of funny if I see a crazy comment. I'm just like, this is kind of funny that people would put time and energy into commenting that. And also... It's engagement. So whatever, go comment. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's actually kind of a compliment that somebody is taking the time out of their day to engage with your content and Mm -hmm. write whatever snarky comment or DM or whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, okay, well, giving attention, that's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's like you said, it's better engagement. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, I like to ask my guests one thing we should stop doing today and one thing we should start doing. And I've never had a chef on my show, so let's do something around cooking. Okay, I think one thing you should stop doing is following maybe like trends too much, like food trends. Like the butterboard was huge. Like it was, it was hilarious. The butterboard. Do you remember the butterboard? It was like this. Like instead of a charcuterie board. It was yeah. It was people were spending butter on trays instead of like charcuterie. It was just like very funny last year. And I think instead start doing more, like cooking more things and being creative in the kitchen and just kind of like throwing stuff together and seeing what works and what doesn't work and going from there. Cause that's when you create like fun dishes that you probably wouldn't have before. So like creating a dish, like maybe you have a recipe that's in your repertoire and changing it into something that is more up your alley or more creative. And that's usually where my like most fun recipes come from is when I'm just kind of winging stuff together in the kitchen and kind of just throwing stuff together. And usually it comes out with like a pretty fun creation. So I think just having more fun in the kitchen, not making it so mundane, that's when we don't want to cook, I find, is when it just like feels like a job. So having more fun, basically. Is there a favorite recipe that you have from your book? I'm sure everybody's going to ask you that question. I love, I have a curry in there, that coconut chicken curry. that Yeah, it's dairy-free, gluten-free. It is absolutely delicious. It's the easy one-pot one. It's in the stew section. Okay. And it is my favorite. I love a curry. So that one's my favorite. But another one is also the sweet plantains. That's Yeah, that one. Mm. It's just very flavorful super light and healthy too it's just great so yeah tell everybody where they can find you yeah so you can find me any social media at kelly's clean kitchen tiktok instagram and my website kelly's clean kitchen.com thank you so much for coming on thank you so much for having me I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you liked it, and if you like the show in general, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It goes a long way, and it's actually the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to the Blonde Files podcast on Instagram. You can go to ariellaurie.com. And I'm always posting about each episode over on my personal page at ariellaurie. 
please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.